Tessie is the royal root is rally cry. Tessie is the tune they always sung. Tessie echoed April through October night after serenade installed the name in young. Tessie is a maiden with a sparkling eyes. Tessie is a maiden with a love. She doesn't know the meaning of her side. She's got a comet full of That's Tessie by the Dropkick Murphys. Tessie is a terrific punk Irish song. It's also a baseball song, which you might not know unless you are a Boston Red Sox fan, a citizen of Red Sox Nation. When the Red Sox won the 2004 World Series after 86 years of frustration, Tessie was a major contributor she provided the soundtrack. You may think baseball is about balls and strikes, defensive shifts, launch angles, pitch counts, metrics, but that's only part of it. Baseball is about rhythm, melody, percussion, sometimes headbanging percussion. May the best song win. Next up on that championship season, the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Welcome to that championship season, a podcast about famous and or infamous champions and their moment in history. Championships are the stuff of myth, fable, and legend. Every champion has a story, and every season is a story that lives on in memory or in frame. Okay, let's cut to the chase. It's Saturday, July 24th, 2004. Your Boston Red Sox are 52-44. and 44. They are in second place in the AL East, nine and a half games behind the first place Yankees. Nine and a half games behind the Yankees. Even though their lineup is loaded, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Johnny Damon, Jason Veritek, Kevin Millar, Bill Miller, Mark Bellhorn, not to mention the disgruntled and moody Nomar Garciaparra. For starting pitching, they've got Kurt Schilling, Pedro Martinez, Tim Wakefield, and Derek Lowe. Their bullpen features closer Keith Folk, and set-up men Mike Timlin and Alan Embry. The Sox have plenty of talent, but so far they haven't had the spark. The night before at Fenway, the Yankees beat the Sox 8-7. It's starting to look like 2004 will be just another season, another season without a championship, the 86th since 1918, when they won their last World Series, the 85th season since they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees for $100,000, when they fell under the curse of the Bambino. But wait, before the game, there's a band on the field, the Dropkick Murphys. The Dropkicks sing the national anthem, then they cut loose with Tessie. Sometimes when the game is on the line, 
To be clear, Tessie was played on the PA system for a couple of months before July 24th. But this is the first live performance. So what happens? A bench-clearing brawl, that's what. The Sox are trailing 3-zip in the third inning when Sox pitcher Bronson Arroyo drills Alex Rodriguez in the elbow. A-Rod, he of the quarter-billion-dollar contract, does not appreciate being drilled on the elbow. Uh, Alex Rodriguez is drilled and he says something to Bronson Arroyo. And we know what he said. Here we go. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. A-Rod and Sox catcher Jason Veritek get into it. Veritek stuffs his mitt into A-Rod's face and lifts him off the ground. Then the bench is clear. Schilling is right in the middle of it. Now another fight off to the side. Millar is in it. Nixon is in it. Down to the right. When the dust settles, A-Rod and Veritek are ejected. So are the Yankees' Kenny Lofton and the Sox's Gabe Kapler. Yankee starter Tanyan Sturtz is bleeding from the ear. The Sox trail 10-9 in the bottom of the ninth. Hall of Fame closer Mariano Rivera is on for the Yankees. Sox third baseman Bill Miller comes up with one out and a man on base. Miller is a good hitter. He won the AL batting title in 203. He works the count to three and one. Three and one to Miller. One out, ninth inning. Ten nine Yankees. Runner at first. Here's the pitch. Swing it a high drive deep to right. Back goes Sheffield. There's the bullpen, and it is gone. And the Red Sox have won it on a walk-off two-run homer by Bill Miller off Mariano Rivera. Can you believe it? The Miller's two-run, walk-off home run gives the Sox an 11-10 win over the hated Yankees. Boston Globe columnist Dan Shaughnessy writes, There hadn't been enough of these moments in 2004, but fans filing out of Fenway on July 24th had reason to believe something special might have begun. At the time, nobody credits the turning point of the season to Tessie. But in hindsight, all these years later, how could you not? 
So who was Tessie? And why did she succeed when other songs had failed? Sweet Caroline, the sappy song by Neil Diamond, had been played at Fenway since 1997. Dirty Water, a 1960s hit by the Standells, had been played after Sox victory since the late 90s. Fans embraced those songs, but neither of them got the job done. Neither of them broke the curse. Tessie was different. Her karma connected to Boston's century-old baseball history, to a time when the Sox ruled the American League, to a time before they were cursed. Historian Glenn Stout is the author of Red Sox Century. Stout explains how Boston's baseball history laid the foundation for Tessie. You know, you can, you can credit all that to a guy named Nufsed McGreevy, Michael Nufsed McGreevy, and he was the proprietor of a bar uh, in Roxbury near the old Huntington Avenue grounds. McGreevy was an Irish immigrant and, uh, you know, lived in the neighborhood and opened his bar in the 1890s. And it was sort of the typical Irish saloon of the day, uh, meaning that it wasn't just a, uh, a bar, but also a meeting place for the neighborhood. As Glenn Stout tells it, McGreevy was known as Nuff Said because that was how he ended loud arguments in his bar, with a stern Nuff Said. McGreevy became a huge baseball fan of Boston's first team, the National League Braves, he began to hang baseball photos and memorabilia in his bar, which became known as third base because it was the last stop on the way home. And over time, McGreevy developed this group called the Royal Rooters, and they would follow the Braves to uh, big series out of town. When they played championship games, they would all travel in mass, and there would be two, three hundred of them. They'd show up at games, and they would sit together, and they would cheer together, and they would hire a band, and they would sing songs. And the rooting process was very much more akin to uh, how a soccer crowd in Europe acts today. In 1901, the newly formed American League included a team in Boston. McGreevy and the Royal Rooters switched their loyalties to the Boston Americans because of local politics, and because ticket prices were lower. The first World Series in 1903 pitted the Boston Americans against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Boston team featured pitching legend Cy Young, manager third baseman Jimmy Collins, and center fielder Chick Stahl. The Royal Rooters rode the train to Pittsburgh and made themselves seen and heard with parades and songs. In support of the Boston team, they sang parodies about the Pirates. Uh, Tessie was just a song, one of many. It wasn't the only one they sang, but it was a song that they discovered, I think, after Game 4 of the World Series that year, where the Red Sox were, were, had fallen behind in the World Series. Things weren't looking good. They went to like a music shop and found the sheet music for Tessie, which was uh, a song from a relatively popular musical of the day. I think it was actually sung about a parakeet. Um, 
But it was, you know, it was a catchy little ditty, sort of a ragtimey kind of song. And, um, you know, before game five, they created some parody lyrics to it to tweak Honus Wagner and various other players. And, you know, as the story goes, and it had been written about uh, many times, even before I wrote about it, is as the Red Sox were, you know, coming up for their last at-bat, looking like they were losing game five, they started singing Tessie. And they started singing these, you know, parody lyrics about the about Honus Wagner and about the, the Pirate team. And lo and behold, the Red Sox rallied, came back to win. The entire series turned. The Rooters sang Tessie throughout the rest of the series. One of the Pirates, Tommy Leach, told historian Lawrence Ritter that the song got under your skin. They never stopped, and they were relentless. And what happened? The Boston Americans won the first World Series five games to three. And, of course, the Royal Rooters tried to take some credit for that. <laughs> it wasn't that poor Deacon Philippe's arm was sore. It wasn't all these other baseball-related reasons. Of course, it was Tessie. The Boston Americans became the Red Sox in 1908. They won the World Series in 1912, 1915, 1916, and 1918. And for each and every championship, the Royal Rooters celebrated at the ballpark and at McGreevy's Bar. But Prohibition shut down McGreevy's Bar in 1918. Babe Ruth was sold to the Yankees after the 1919 season. After Ruth left, the Royal Rooters faded away. Then, late in the 20th century, a few historians wrote about them, among them Glenn Stout. Historical accounts caught the attention of Red Sox executive Charles Steinberg. Before the 2004 season, Steinberg mentioned the song to Boston Herald baseball writer Jeff Horrigan. Horrigan mentioned Steinberg's interest to a friend of his, Ken Casey. Casey was head honcho and bass player for the Dropkick Murphys. Casey recalled his introduction to Tessie in an interview with Michael J. Cloherty. Lyrics of that, the original are horrible. Um, it's like a woman singing about telling her secrets to her parrot. So, you know, <laughs> thank, thank, thank God they, no, well, believe me, when we, when we got the email said, Red Sox want you to redo their old fight song, I said, I'm in. And then I listened to the song and I said, I'm out. <laughs> but then when we decided to take the melody and, and more make the song about the history of the Royal Rooters, it was, Casey told Horrigan the Dropkicks wouldn't do Tessie unless it was rewritten to fit their identity. So Horrigan rewrote the lyrics to be about the history of the Royal Rooters. Casey took the new lyrics and wrote new music to fit, fit their punk Irish style. They recorded the new version in Boston at Woolly Mammoth Studios near Fenway Park. Backup vocals featured three Sox players, Johnny Damon, Lenny DiNardo, and Bronson Arroyo. Pride, 
So, to recount the season, up to July 24th, the Sox are 52-44 and the Yankees are 61-34. The Yankees have a nine and a half game lead over the Sox. On July 24th, the Dropkicks play Tessie live at Fenway. After July 24th, the Sox go 46-20 and the Yankees go 40-27. The Yankees still win the American League East Division, but after Tessie, the Sox cut the Yankees' lead to three games. And there's a footnote here. On July 30th, Sox general manager Theo Epstein makes a three-team deal. He trades away disgruntled shortstop Nomar Garciaparra and acquires two defensive wizards, shortstop Orlando Cabrera and first baseman Doug Minkiewicz. Cabrera, Minkiewicz, and speedster Dave Nelson obtained from the Dodgers are the final pieces of the puzzle. Some historians credit dealing Garciaparra as the turning point. That's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. I'm sticking to Tessie. By the end of the season, the Sox are breathing fire as the wildcard team, and the Yankees are sucking wind. The postseason validates Tessie's magic. In the first round, the Sox sweep the Anaheim Angels. The dropkicks perform Tessie before Game 3 at Fenway. David Ortiz wins it with a two-run walk-off homer in the bottom of the 10th. In the ALCS, the Sox dropped the first three games to the Yankees. No Major League Baseball team has ever come back to win after being down three games in the postseason. Game four goes to the Sox and Ortiz's walk-off home run in the 12th inning. Game five goes to the Sox on Ortiz's walk-off single in the 14th inning. Game six goes to the Sox on Mark Bellhorn's three-run home run and Kurt Schilling's seven-inning gem of four hits and one run. Before Game 7, Ken Casey and a few buddies go into St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. They light candles and put $18 in the collection plate to help Johnny Damon start hitting. In Game 7, at Yankee Stadium, Damon hits a grand slam and adds another two-run two home run in a 10-3 Sox victory. Four straight over the hated Yankees. And the curse is on life support. The World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals opens in Boston on October 23, 2004. Before the game, the dropkicks set up in center field and deliver the goods. Four days later, the Sox complete a sweep of the Cardinals. Sox broadcaster Joe Castiglione makes the call on the last out. Boston Red Sox are the world champions. For the first time in 86 years, the Red Sox have won baseball world championship. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? They won it all. The Red Sox finally won it all. And why? Well, 
That's a matter of opinion. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd been kind of saying for years that, uh, and I'm certainly not the only one that had said this, that, uh, you know, the Red Sox had not won since Tessie had been played in Fenway Park. But, uh, you know, I do remember, you know, hearing in, you know, 2004 they were doing it, and all of a sudden it was being played at the ballpark again. And, uh, you know, serendipity being what it was, uh, you know, the Red Sox won again. I don't think the song really had anything to do with it. Uh, uh, you know, I think uh, I think what had more to do with it than anything is that uh, the team was finally being run by people who weren't uh, shackled by the Yawkey tradition, and uh, they were no longer felt shackled by, you know, notions of the curse or anything like this, and they seemed to, uh, you know, they seemed to... Uh, uh, do things just to try to win rather than to try to make excuses why they didn't win. Okay, that's the logical, rational explanation. But I, for one, prefer the mystical approach, the one that oozes with superstition and karma, the one that connects 2004 to 1903 and to Nuff said McGreevy and the Royal Rooters and to all the Red Sox triumphs of the early 20th century. Tessie was more than a song. She was a reincarnation. Tessie is the royal root is rally cry. Tessie is the tune they always sung. Tessie echoed April through October night after serenade installed the name in young. Tessie is a maiden with a sparkling eyes. Tessie is a maiden with a love. After the Red Sox won, uh, they got together and they put up the bar on Boylston Street, uh, which I think they did a rather nice job of uh, in a modern way of kind of capturing, you know, there's, there's a lot of good, good nods to the old uh, McGreevy's Tavern. But, um, you know, but, but then post the Red Sox winning and everything, I think the McGreevy collection got some more attention. The library is... Uh, uh, you know, had had taken control of the collection again before then, so it's secure and it's in the print department. And now I believe it's all available online. Thanks for listening to That Championship Season. The show was written and produced by me, Steve Morantz. Special thanks to my guest, Glenn Stout, author of Red Sox Century, and many other books on sports history. To find more information about this episode and other episodes, please go to our website, championshipseasonpodcast.com. Please subscribe to and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, which really helps people find it. We'll be back soon with another tale from that championship season.